Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Tuesday, March 1st, 2022. On last week's show, after we, Aaron and I finished recording... Aaron will tell you, I was the nervous Nelly. It was one of these things where it's like, I'm you know, getting concerned. Can we find enough news for a, you know, a, a Marvel news show every week? And, you know, Aaron? Yeah, Marvel, Marvel PR team just takes weeks off at a time. They don't have anything to do in between the release of movies and TV shows. Nothing to promote, nothing at all. Yeah, well. We'll see you in, in November, gang. That's the next time something's happening. Okay, so I, I may have reached for the panic button a little early because was that on last week's show we were talking about? You know, how... You know, we have all these wonderful Marvel television productions. No, that... no, no. It was it was two weeks ago, and, two weeks and ago. you told us that it was all going to Hulu, and it will never come to Disney Plus. Never, you say, never. And it's happening almost immediately. We have Wednesday, March sixteenth, and it's everything. It's not a question of let's parcel them out a few at a time. It's like no, Marvel's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, The Defenders, and The Punisher are all going to be available for viewing on Disney subscription streaming service. And this also includes Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to be looking to see if they add that into the chronological MCU category I would, when that pops on, right? I was wondering about that. Will they embrace it or will they hold it at arm's length once again? We'll find out. When this news broke, I began working my trap line. Because, again, you're right. I talked about they won't put this on Disney+. Plus. They'll put it on Hulu. And in the conversations I was having today, it's like, things are moving quickly here. I think we've talked about how sometime further on down the line, given that one of the big concerns about folks, especially in this time of so many streaming services, there's got to be some consolidation, and the Disney plus Hulu consolidation may be coming a whole lot faster than anybody thought it would. But the fact that Disney actually to make this happen, to make these available on Disney plus, it means actually going in over the next two and three uh, weeks and updating the parental controls on Disney Plus which previously had kind of cardboard and folding chairs versions of parental controls because you know there was so little stuff that they had to worry about do you think jim that that could make sense financially right now of consolidation because right now Disney's got me on the line for two different subscriptions, technically three, because I've got the ESPN Plus deal along with the Hulu, along with the Disney Plus. So if they merge Disney Plus and Hulu, well, I'm going to be buying the one bulk thing, if whether it be called Disney Plus or whether it be called Hulu doesn't matter. I don't know if I'd keep the ESPN Plus because the only reason I got it was because it was only an extra like couple dollars to add it to this bundle of these other two. Right. But if that's not there, then I don't really care about the ESPN Plus. And now I'm not giving them extra four or five bucks per month because it, I'm not paying for the two subscriptions technically. Now I'm just paying for the one, Disney Plus. You saw what Netflix did. You mean the price hike again? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And likewise, you saw, you know, what Amazon, Amazon Prime did there a hike go. as well. Yeah. Okay. So the notion is that, yes, if you merge the two, 
you lose that Hulu revenue oven unless, of course, you actually do bump up the cost of Disney+. Plus. Well, I always imagine the price increase would be there. It's just a matter of you have to look at a certain set of numbers of are we losing subscribers on either one or the other, Hulu or Disney+. Plus? And, you know, if Netflix has... 60 million subscribers, you know, what do we do to need to be competitive with them to get a similar price point and a similar client base? Will we grow faster if it's all bundled as one and we kick up the price by a couple dollars? Or are we better off having a, a longer wall of defense by having two or three subscription services and nickel and diming our customers two or three times per month? You know, which strategy is going to pay off better for them? That is the $64 question, or, or, <laughs> or these days, the $6.99 per month question. What is also sort of coloring this decision is there is a buttload of 20th Century Fox product that's PG-13 and R that Disney would dearly love to weaponize in its battle with Netflix. And to circle back to your question, Will these be canon? Will these be folded into the chronological? I mean, I, it would be so silly not to take advantage of the fact that, I mean, you've, you're, you've brought back Matt Burdock. You've Bet brought you back the Kingpin. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you bring it back as canon? It just would make no sense. Now, I can see them doing one of them their quasi-reboots, where mm -hmm. they don't necessarily poo-poo what came before it, but they certainly don't acknowledge it all that much either. Mm -hmm. Where, like, maybe they wanted to do a Daredevil movie. And they do a Daredevil movie. And they just don't mention anything that came before it. But they don't disavow anything that came before it. Go, Kingpin? Never heard of him. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, they don't do anything like that. So, I mean, we could end up with a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too type of situation. And also, just to be clear here, these Marvel television-produced shows... Uh, are going to be available in the U.S., Canada, U.K., Ireland, Australia, and New Zealand. Disney's other streaming service, that there's Star that's also out there, right. which already has adult content and parental controls. And I mean, that's the other thing that's kind of intriguing about this whole thing is the, the notion of, are you going to start doing what you're doing in India with content? And it's like, I'll have to get back to you on that. There's multiple deals in multiple countries. Boy, that you know that seems like you've got to almost have a second type of service because, well, let's say you want to have your service in China. Mm -hmm. Can you block individual shows that were banned in China from being on their service, or do you need a whole second service to present to them with that those limitations imposed already? All interesting questions and something we should explore on future MUDs. But for now, we got to get to the news. And speaking of which, the news portion of this week's Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destination, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. As I mentioned, Aaron and I are recording this week's show on March 1st. We're just 12 days out from the start of March Madness. Uh, the NCAA Division I Men's Basketball Tournament. Uh, oh, it's also Fat Tuesday. Yeah. I got out of the shower and got hit in the head with some beads. My wife threw at me and she said, nice, tubby. <laughs> Apparently, in fact, Tuesday is a little bit too literal right now. Uh, well, I've been drinking okay. hurricanes and hand grenades like I was in New Orleans trying to rub the hurt away. 
I need a hurricane. So, or at the very least, some beverage in a, in a red solo cup. But anyway, I get it that we go from the, the March Madness to Multiverse of Madness. And did you see where Sir Patrick Stewart reversed himself this past week in regards to whether or not he said he was impersonating his voice for that role. Was that it? (laughs) Well, you know, in a weird sort of way, he was actually really sweet about it. He's the, again, he's out doing PR right now for Star Trek Picard. And what he talked about was, I was astonished that Marvel fans were able to realize it was me. All they, oh, my God. Well, no, he said all they had in the trailer was the back of my shoulder and an earlobe. I didn't even recognize my voice in the thing. It sounded different, I, like I had a cold or something. He didn't even realize it was happening. He talked about how the trailer dropped, evidently. I had my phone turned off. I was sleeping. And when the trailer first released, it wasn't until the next morning when I woke up and looked at my phone and found I had been bombarded with responses. But it, the fact that people figured out it was him really kind of pleased him. It's like, oh, they remember me. On the other hand, Ryan Reynolds, just last night, was down in New York. They were doing the world premiere of his new project for Netflix, the the Adam Project. So all these entertainment reporters are standing there on the red carpet and are hammering him with questions about the Merc with the mouth. And once again, Ryan is is insisting, no, I'm really not in Multiverse of Madness. And but did you see who showed up with him to be on the red carpet? Yes, the Marvel PR team, along with the blow dart gun and some tranquilizers and a bag to put over his head and drag him into a van in case he said too much. Well, uh, On this week's Marvel PR team. Marvel PR team. Guest starring Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Only on CBS. Uh, see, now that would have been a, 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 more entertaining than reality, but, but just, just because... What was interesting, remember, Hugh Jackman is in New York right now. He's appearing in that revival of The Music Man. Uh-oh. And so it's his night off. So, you know, he came down to support his friend Ryan. So the two of them are standing there on the red carpet. And now there is this media frenzy because not only are they hammering Ryan with questions about, are you in, in Multiverse of Madness? They're asking Hugh. And when they're not asking about that, they're asking Ryan and Hugh, well, what about Deadpool 3? You can look at the video and both Ryan and, and Hugh are pretending at that moment to be deaf. Like, what? What? I can't hear your questions. You're two feet away from me. It's it's very loud here. I'm currently under the belief that Ryan Reynolds is uh, extending this little thing with Hugh Jackman. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a rivalry, you know, <laughs> where they, they have a little one-upsmanship with one another. But I, I believe that. Ryan is doing this mm-hmm. solely so he can get footage and audio of Hugh Jackman so he can digitally insert it later oh. into Deadpool 4. And whether he gets the rights for Hugh Jackman or not, it's, it doesn't matter. It's just going to be like, hey, well, we need to write a scene where Deadpool and Logan are at a movie premiere on the red carpet for five minutes. How do we do that? And uh, voila, you've got your new scene. I don't know if you saw last year around the holidays, Somebody had gone through, good Lord, I can't imagine how many episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. It was Sir Patrick Stewart, you know, singing the Mariah Carey song, All I Mm -hmm. Want for Christmas is, and in this case, it was Q. Right. 
I wonder if they're they're going to do that. It's just yeah, I know no, it's it's like uh, deep fake right now. All you need is just enough raw data uh-huh. of a person's face and a person's voice, uh-huh. and after you know about nine hours of, of data, voila, you've got that that person's essence trapped in a in a digital one and zero formula, and you can make them do whatever you want, like a little puppet. Dance, little puppet, dance. And uh, Hugh Jackman, he, he doesn't know what's going on. He's a nice bloke. He thinks us Americans are just being jovial and friendly. Uh, little does he realize that Ryan Reynolds is trying to steal his soul in the 21st century sort of superstar celebrity sort of way. I hope the actual final film is as entertaining as, as your theory. All right. Anyway, uh, back to Multiverse of Madness. And, and again, we're fairly certain at this point that, that Wolverine and Deadpool, they're not prominently in Multiverse of Madness because just today Funko are revealed wave one of uh, Multiverse of Madness figures out there for pre-order. And we have our Defender Strange, a Supreme Strange. We also have a interdimensional blue chase figure variant, which, by the way, mm. this is the thousandth Marvel character that Funko Pop has produced. Over wow. the, yeah. So uh, so that's the one you want to be looking for. The interdimensional blue chase, Doctor Strange. But yeah, we got a Master Mordo, we got a Scarlet Witch, we got that Centaur character, Rintar, on American Chavez. But again, no Professor X, uh, no Deadpool, no Wolverine. But again, maybe they're holding Sir Patrick's take on Professor X for Multiverse of Madness for Wave 2. Also, there was no Bruce Campbell did you see where Bruce Campbell at least shared some info? He tried to, and then the Marvel PR team came in, gave him a blow dart, shut that down. <laughs> so there I was, filming some scenes from Multiverse of Madness. <laughs> and the chin slept beautifully. There we go. <laughs> um, well, the, the info that we have is from uh, an appearance that Bruce made at a convention, uh, which was sponsored by Armed Forces Entertainment. And again, he get, got asked by an attendee at the convention about what he'd be doing in Multiverse of Badness and, and what he was able to say, again, before the PR team got there with the dart gun, was, I did a cool scene with a character that's been beloved for years and we'll have to see if it ends up in the movie. I, I don't know if it's still in there. It, it's a pretty cool part. And that's worth noting, because remember, we, I think we were talking just last month about when Sam Raimi got asked, you know, have you finished shooting Multiverse of Madness? And he said, I think so. We have to cut it together and show it to the studio, and then they have to decide if we're doing any pickups. So, well, Now, what do you say, Jim? I'll, I'll bet uh, a, a shiny straw penny mm-hmm. that Bruce Campbell is playing the same jerk that he played in the Spider-Man movies back in 2002, 2004, and 2000, whenever the last one was. That way, you have continuity between what he and Sam did all those years ago with the original Spider-Man movies. Um, it pays reference back to what the reemerging of Tobey Maguire in his spider suit just a few uh, months earlier in Spider-Man No Way Home, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, and it, he was a much beloved character when he did show up for those brief, brief moments to defeat Spider-Man. And he did say he was Spider-Man's uh, biggest nemesis because every time that he showed up, it was to tell Peter, "No, you can't go see MJ at the play. I'm sorry." Yeah, I mean, in a weird sort of way, that's actually kind of ingenious because he 
Didn't he play three different characters? I mean, he played the... Well, uh, is it the, the three the different ones, or is it the one guy who just had three different jobs in New York? <laughs> That's what I want to know, because that way it really could be a continuation of the same character who just goes from job to job to job. We are leaving so many questions on the table with this week's show. I'm, I'm hoping someone out there has an answer. I mean, if Sam's directing it, mm-hmm. they, they would both have to be in on the joke, because if he's going to bring in Bruce, it's going to be like, all right, so I'm directing Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Who, do, who do you think you should play for your cameo? Mm-hmm. They had to have that discussion. They're friends from the way back, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to shorthand it. What do you want to do, buddy? Oh, man, I wish I could have played Mysterio. That would have been great. Right? Yeah. Oh, we can't. We already did that. What do? You, what, what can we do instead? And at mm-hmm. some point, they have to have the discussion. Well, you know, in the old Spider-Man movies, I did this. What if mm-hmm. we did blah, 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 and continue that character arc into this movie? Because it is the multiverse, and who's to say what can happen in the multiverse, right? All possibilities are open. So why not? Okay. I think that's the biggest wink, nod, gag that you could probably throw at us. Well, we're going to have to wait till May 6th to find out. On the other hand, again, remember, The Adam Project shows up on Netflix on March 11th, and we get to see Ryan Reynolds, as well as Zoe Saldana, who, again, was in New York, uh, along with Ryan, doing the red carpet thing. And while she uh, was there for the world premiere, she got asked about the Guardians of the Galaxy, and in particular how James Gunn has been very upfront about the fact that this is the last film that I'll be directing and with this cast. So they were asking Zoe about, what does it feel like? This will be the last time you get to play Gamora. And she mentioned, it's kind of bittersweet. But at the same time, Zoe's a realist. And I don't know if you saw the news just last week about how after Star Trek Beyond came out in July of 2016 and underperformed, and everyone assumed, okay, that's it for the... The Calvin Star Trek movies, they're going to do something else with them. And they did. They, they launched on the Paramount Plus Star Trek Discovery. we got Star Trek Lower Decks. We've gotten Star Trek Prodigy. And Picard. And Picard. And then just last week, they announced, we're going to get a fourth Star Trek movie. They're like, hey, Star Trek's making money. Who knew? Let's do another one, a movie. What do you say? You want to do that, guys? Yeah. yeah, well, that's it exactly. So Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto and Zoe are putting back on their Starfleet uniforms. And the whole notion of, well, here I am. I'm waving goodbye to playing Gamora because I will never play. Oh, wait a minute. I have to go down to Florida for the opening. Well, and you you also said that she was on the red carpet with Ryan Reynolds. So he is also stealing her essence to play Gamora in the new Deadpool movie as well as Logan. So it's going to be a weird crossover of characters. I don't know what Ryan's thinking. He's been drinking too much of his gin, Uh, talking on his mint mobile. That could be. That could be. Oh, 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 uh, we, we were, uh, in fact, Aaron and I had literally finished recording last week's show when I said, oh, damn it. We forgot to mention that the head of corporate communications at the Walt Disney Company uh, had tweeted out when Cosmic Rewind was going to be opening at Epcot. Have you checked? Is he still employed there, by the way? Well, he did pull down the tweet, and it went from a very specific opening on Memorial Day to opening later this spring slash summer. And in much the same way that they had a good chunk of the cast turn out when they opened Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout at Disney's California Adventure, 
Uh, the plan is that for the opening of Cosmic Rewind, they want as many of the, the cast members of the, the James Gunn film to turn out for this to fly down to Florida. Where this gets interesting is May 30th is just 11 days away from June 10th, which is when Jurassic World Dominion opens. So it's going to be one of these things where poor Chris Pratt Universal is really, really, really counting on Jurassic World Dominion doing the sort of business that the Fast and Furious films used to do. And in fact, they did not do as well last year with Fast and Furious. So the whole cast is going to tour the world and do massive, massive, monstrous amounts of publicity. And so it may be difficult for Chris to slip away and help open this ride. But again, I mean, this is the thing with projects of this side, promotion is crucial. Sometimes you stand back and it's like, that's a really strange decision you made. You giant mega corporation. Just last week, we, we got our brand new Morbius trailer. One of the reasons we're getting this trailer now is we're four weeks and four days away from when Morbius will be released to theaters. On the other hand, just yesterday, we had Benedict Cumberbatch being awarded a star on the Walk of Fame in Hollywood. And we had Marvel Studios' Kevin Feige basically emceeing the event. And Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness doesn't get released to theaters till May 6th. And it's like, why would you put this sort of promotional effort out there? And because, again, they worked Multiverse of Madness, you know, and mentioned Doctor Strange's name about 3,000 times into the ceremony. And it's like, why would you do this two months in advance? And it's just, well, it's kind of a wheels within wheels thing. Benedict Cumberbatch is also up for a Best Actor Oscar this year. He's for his role in The Power of the Dog. So we hype him now. He wins an Oscar. People go, oh, what a handsome chap. And that will boost his appeal when it comes time for his movie to come out. And everyone go, hey, that's a guy that won that Oscar. Or if you're a Benedict Cumberbatch and here is Marvel Studios doing the Because that's the thing. You don't get a star on the Walk of Fame for free. Somebody has to pay the fees. It's kind of a pricey thing. So the fact that Marvel was willing to lay out this dough and Kevin Feige himself was willing to come down and emcee the event and say all sorts of nice things about Benedict. So when it comes time in the middle of April when Benedict Cumberbatch has to get on a jet and fly around the world and answer the same three questions 12,000 times, you want them happy. You want them on board to, to promote your giant expensive movie. For me, what was kind of intriguing was what Kevin said at the ceremony. Thanks to the effect of Benedict just turned this character an icon, appearing in a historic three of the top six films of all time. I mentioned that it's been quite a journey. I remember our very first meeting set up as just a general, and we wanted to pitch him on this great character. And before we could, he he said, so tell me about Doctor Strange. Because you knew. Uh, because you knew what this could be, and you've always been this, seen the tremendous potential of the character. But it's this last thing, Aaron, that really caught my eye. It's like... You become the anchor of the MCU and the only actor capable of guiding us through the, the multiverse of madness. So that, so you become this anchor of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And uh, that's kind of intriguing. I mean, I get it. Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans have stepped away from playing Iron Man and, and Captain America. 
Chris Hemsworth has just fin- finished shooting uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, and it just sounds like you know he's going to be the the center or the anchor of like the new if it's not an Avengers whatever the the new team up might be mm-hmm. that he's he's going to be and you know when I read it I, I read it almost. Uh, because I'm I'm a skeptic, you know. Mm-hmm. It's like of why, course. why why is he being so darn polite? Mm-hmm. And you know how I feel about the Hollywood cheery. Oh, it's so wonderful to be here on this wonderful experience with these wonderful people and blah blah. So actually, what I did was I I was trying to read between the lines and I rewrote it. Okay, as if Kevin Feige were just drunk and he didn't care, right? Mm-hmm. And he comes out and he goes. Yeah, so Hulk can't do a movie because of a stupid deal someone made with Universal. Stark and Natasha are both dead. Cap chose to dance with this girl over his duty to his country. Wanda went crazy, Vision buggered off. Who knows where? We don't know. Falcon and the Winter Bucky, along with Hawkeye and Loki, they all had their return via Diz Plus. Nobody can remember how to get a hold of Spider-Man for some damn reason. The Guardians of the Galaxy are gallivanting across space with Thor and his girlfriend Jane and some space-traveling goats. I mean, I, I just can't with those people right now. Captain Marvel either hasn't paid her pager bill in three decades or she's out of the service area. I don't know. For right now, Strange gonna have to do, folk. Feige, out. Uh, wow. Isn't that more entertaining than it's just so wonderful with the vast uh, talent and the? I, 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 <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to be said for hard truth, <laughs> and I've been trying to to track this because it's not reported in any of the the trades yet, but it, it's bubbling up that Elizabeth Olsen has supposedly just signed a brand new, rather lengthy contract with uh marvel studios which well first of all that that's kind no, of in, you know. read, read the specific language because we need to talk about the language mm-hmm. it was you said a lengthy period of time mm-hmm. and wasn't it seven years well again i would feel better sharing that number if i saw that in the trades then let's just assume it's a, a number of years okay all right and and but more to the point remember samuel L. jackson was I guess the last person who got signed to for a lengthy and again I guess it was a that was a seven picture deal. Okay, so the, here's the language difference. Yep, Samuel L. Jackson was the last one to get a picture deal. Mm. Elizabeth is getting a uh, yearly deal. Okay, that's what I'm driving at here. Is the language changed in in one keyword? We're not. We're no longer talking pictures. We're talking years. So what does that mean? Uh, well, the next thing I saw scrolling through the Twitter feed was that she was going to appear in the I Am Groot series. And I'm like, ah, it could be BS. Mm-hmm. But if you're signing her for years, not projects, mm-hmm. put that girl to work. You're paying her for something, right? Use her. Yeah. And, and also, I think we talked about when we were deconstructing the latest Multiverse of Madness trailer that they were at least trying to misdirect the notion that potentially Scarlet Witch could be, if not the villain, the antagonist to this? She could be a nuisance. A nuisance. Yeah. Be interesting to see if that's how this character ends up exiting Multiverse of Madness, what her new story arc might be in 
the phase four and phase five films, not to mention whatever limited series may lay out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I guess for me, it's just, what's kind of intriguing is if you look around sort of the table here at what's coming down the pike from the MCU, we have a lot of magic in the supernatural coming and, is that going to overthrow superpowers come phase four and phase five? And I will tell you what, Aaron and I will discuss this in the second half of today's show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Quick question. I, I'm sure you've been keeping tabs on some of the stuff that's coming out about Star Wars, the Galactic Star Cruiser. In between the media event last week and the first public sailing, Oscar Isaac, who of course played Poe Dameron in the most recent trilogy, made the rounds of this vessel with WDI's Scott Trowbridge. And it was it was interesting for, for Oscar. He kept you know saying that you know it's weird to be in a place like this and not see a camera. This is where I spent five and six years of my life, and now it's real. One of the reasons they have him out doing this thing is Disney working its Venn diagrams, its brand new hotel. And oh, by the way, here comes Moon Knight. The, the new limited series for Disney Plus, which debuts March 30th. And, and you had mentioned the new poster that came out just today and what you found fascinating about sort of some of the details you can see in this image. Yeah, well, it's an all white costume. So by all rights, it should look absolutely ridiculous mm-hmm. when you when you film it. And one of the ways that you don't look absolutely ridiculous is you put a tremendous amount of detail that you will never, ever see into the costume. And I think it worked incredibly well in uh, Lord of the Rings films. Mm-hmm. The embroidery on, on the inside of a, a garment that you would never see, but it, the actor knew it was there and it, and it made him feel more regal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this was one of them things where it was a very, very close-up, very sharp, sharply focused shot of Moon Knight and you can almost see a herringbone pattern weave in the cuff of the jacket. And if you look at the collar, there is a texture there that you don't find on a normal collar. And the, and the tie has just a, an amazing little glimmer to it. And, you know, the, the seam and the mask, it, it just different types of textures, but all done in the starkest, whitest color imaginable. And that's where you're getting all of this really cool flavor is all these little, little details that you really aren't going to notice while it's moving in action. But if you stop and freeze frame, Mm -hmm. it's just a treasure trove of details. And I think it looks just incredibly sharp. 
No, it's a killer image. This is the whole, the art of publicity. You come up with that image. But you have to remember that Marvel Studios, lots of moving parts. And I think we talked just recently about uh, Werewolf by Night, another supernatural-flavored project that Marvel has in the works for Disney+. And that's going to be a standalone special that comes out in October, just in time for Halloween. Friends at Marvel Studios sort of reached out and said, oh, don't be concerned, there's been a delay. We're supposed to start shooting in mid-February. It's now been bumped to mid-March. But everything's cool. It will make its October debut. Jim, if if you could uh, tell the director to and point to any werewolf movie in history, which one would you point to and say, make it like that? <laughs> uh, are, are, are we going to go all the way back to Lon Chaney Jr.? Any, any, anyone in history. If, if there is one mm. that you think is ins, an inspired choice for a specific reason, lay it on me. I'm sorry, I gotta go John Landis. I gotta go American Werewolf in London. 100% back that choice. Absolutely, that's the one I would point to as well. Okay. That is, I think, the, till this day, still the very finest werewolf movie ever made. And American Werewolf in London to this day is uh, still, yeah, my very, very f- most favoritist of the werewolf genre. It still holds up, you know, wonderfully. Yep. And, you know, also, if you know, the planets align properly, this will be after Disney has retooled the parental controls for Disney+. Plus. And so that means you can really lean in to the horror aspect, you know, because it's just sort of like, okay, this isn't necessarily something you want six, seven, eight-year-olds seeing, but eh, the nine-year-old, sure. You know, the, well, I think <laughs> time to scar him for life. Sit him down. You know, right. Like, no, so. I, th- I think uh, at some point, you know, there has to be the reckoning on, on the Marvel side of some content warrants an R rating, and it n- need not shy away from the excessive violence. And a werewolf movie is a great place where they could go, yeah, let that be an R. It could actually serve the movie better by taking off that that limitation of what can be shown on screen to get those those scares. Mm-hmm. And if you do that and you go, well, now we can do that with Blade. Because Blade is a vampire, and you know, vampire means blood. That's what mm-hmm. they feast on. So if you're not bathed in blood by the end of a Blade movie, you did it wrong. I have to admit, I don't know if you've seen the poster that's out there for Morbius where the catchphrase of the film is the line between hero and villain will be broken. Right. I get the sense, especially with the trailer that just dropped last week, that the whole notion, like I have powers that can only be described as superhuman, but there's a cost. I now face a choice to hunt and consume a blood or die. And I get the sense watching that trailer that they, they are trying to keep a foot in both worlds. They're trying to do a superhero movie and they're trying to do horror. Well, in that essence, they really can't go, uh, hey, this is a bad guy and he's nothing but a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You got to kind of play that anti-hero role, like Venom, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's, he's trying to do good. He's, he's try- he only eats criminals' heads. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, if you're only eating certain kinds of people's heads, well, I guess it's okay then, right? You know, well, he's an anti-hero. And the same thing with Morbius, right? He wants to be a good guy, but he's got to drink you. Like a Capri Sun, he's got a little poke you in the neck with a straw <sighs> and take a sip. I just so I just <laughs> as we wave goodbye to Capri Sun as a possible sponsor. <laughs> so, so. 
All right. We're, we're going to make a hard right here for a sec to do something light and hopeful. Because, again, when Aaron and I talked about this last week, we seriously had no idea this was in the works. I think we just made a passing reference last week to the fact that this year, 2022, is it was going to be the 100th anniversary of Stanley's birth. And I, I, I think just in passing, I, it was either you or me said something effective. It would be nice if the Walt Disney Company actually did something to acknowledge that. Did you hear about this plaque? Yeah, I got it from our, our uh, undercover mud sleuther at Eric XOXP uh, via the, the Disney Park blogs yeah. sent me a link to that. And it was very nice to see them do a little acknowledgement Basically what this is, folks, they, they've added, uh, as you enter the Avengers campus at uh, Disney's California Adventure, there's now a plaque which starts off with says, we dedicate Avengers campus to the incomparable Stan Lee. And it's then followed by a, a classic Stan Lee quote, that person who helps others simply because it should or must be done and because of the right thing to do is with is indeed, without a doubt, a real superhero. And then it, it closes out with, thank you, Stan, for inspiring the hero within it. each of us. You have made us all true believers. And it's just really kind of sweet that, A, they dedicated the Avengers campus to Stan, and B, this is out there. Disney doesn't do this. I mean, the Imagineers, the folks who built the park, if you go over to Main Street USA, yeah, there's there's windows up on Main Street, uh, but you kind of have to look at them, and more to the point, they tend to do jokey references, so it's all sort of an inside joke. You really have to know who they're writing about uh, in order to, to get the idea of, okay, that's how you're honoring this Imagineer, that's how you're honoring that architect. Whereas this is front and center. We owe a debt to Stan Lee. They should almost have done, uh, you know how you've got the statue of Walt holding Mickey's hand? Mm-hmm. They should do one of Stan holding Spidey's hand. Well, maybe not that exactly. I'll have to work on that idea a little bit more. But you know what I'm saying. There should be a little statue, a bronze statue of Stan going, you know, this one time I was looking for Tony Stank. Was it, I think it was a misprint. I could, could be a misprint. Uh, speaking of California, my daughter Alice came across something that she has a friend who lives in Pasadena. And there's an entire street in Pasadena that's been blocked off uh, for the past week or so because they're shooting Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania there. But what's kind of fun about where they, they're shooting is it's a street that has a Baskin-Robbins on it. So evidently, Scott Lang is going to be back working at a Baskin-Robbins for some reason. So... Speaking of, of Marvel Studios films that are, are still before the cameras, and a kind of a surprise on this one, because they made such a big deal about how Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, had been on a hiatus starting in November, but it started up after the first of the year, and so it's, and they only had four weeks of filming, and then they'd be done, and, and now comes the news that they've moved production to Puerto Rico which is supposed to be standing in for Haiti in the movie. There's a number of folks who seem to think that, given that the scenes that are being shot in Puerto Rico are down by the beach, that this really does lean into the whole Namor thing. 
that scene that had been uh, that image had been released on uh, Instagram. In the pool with the blue screen. Yeah. In fact, just this week, somebody volunteered that I was supposed to go look for an actor called Tanak Huerta. Gentleman has starred in Narcos Mexico as well as uh, made an appearance in The Forever Purge. This may be who Marvel has actually hired to play Namor. Speaking of, of things that are before the camera, I don't know if you, you've seen the latest uh, spoiler for uh, Thor Love and Thunder that came to us thanks to Lego. But but have you seen this one of the, the monster set yet? It looked like, uh, I'm trying to think of like the head, uh, the little rat thing from Empire uh, Return of the Jedi that sat next to Jabba the Hutt. It looked like one of those. Oh, God. God, I, I I used to know this name. Right, yeah, uh, I know. You know, I want to say Thelonious Monk, but I know that's wrong. Uh, <laughs> Salacious Crumb, Salacious Crumb, go. see? <laughs> I'm sorry, it was a multi-syllable name. I keep them in a special folder in my mind, you know, my, my brain. Oh, but yeah, that, that supposedly that weird-looking creature is actually a child's drawing that is brought to life. And then... Ah, okay. You know, so it's something that Thor has to fight. Yeah, I didn't understand what kind of creature it was because it looks rather odd. I mean... Yeah, and there's a a reason for that. But think about it. We have the the, the weapon that Gore the God Killer used. Likewise, at the end of the Eternals, we had the Ebony Blade, which... Mm -hmm. I was fascinated by this story that I guess is going to play out over the next Eternals thing, as well as the Maharshala Ali uh, blade movie. That blade is supposedly was carved out of a meteor and then enchanted by Merlin, who then gave it to the first Black Knight. Yeah. I really want to see like the Excalibur type story mm-hmm. uh, told because I, that sword is also uh, kicking around in the MCU. So, mm-hmm. like in the in the same way that I thought Thor would just be an absolutely ridiculous thing mm-hmm. in a live action film, especially after uh, Iron Man came out, and it's mm-hmm. like, how are you going to follow this up with a Norse god? That's just stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am so eager to see a King Arthur tale in the MCU mm. with uh, Excalibur and this Ebony Blade and and all the style and panache that comes with an MCU film. But, but think about it. We saw at the end of WandaVision, we saw Wanda going through the Darkhold, which mm. we had that whole season of uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. deal with. It's intriguing that if you fold that in with also what's going on with Morbius, there's a lot of, you know, and, and we were just talking about, you know, a werewolf by night, uh, coupled with, with Moon Knight. It, it just seems there is a lot of this myth and magic stuff coming to the front, coming to the fore in both the, the MCU as well as Spunk. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to wonder, is this actually... Have there been conversations between Kevin Feige and Amy Pascal, or are these two studios simultaneously heading into the same sort of material coincidentally at the same time? No, I think that a lot of it has to do with uh, certainly the timing of things, because you start off with WandaVision, and it's like, uh, boom, there's magic. Mm -hmm. 
Loki also has a form of kind of magic throughout his show. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Doctor Strange and has a wealth of magic, and when you pump his character into the Spider-Man story, mm-hmm. you get more magic there. So it seems like you're getting a lot of magic all of a sudden, right? Because it's mm-hmm. the same couple of magic-y characters that keep showing up over and over again in, in these movies. But mm-hmm. then, like, is Werewolf by Night, is that a magic story? Or are they trying to fill up their vampires and werewolves and and almost a universal monsters category, but MCU Sony style? Mm-hmm. Because that would be kind of cool as well if they could create that kind of a thing with a, a Dracula esque monster and a werewolf and a mummy mm-hmm. and you know an invisible man and the whole gamut. I don't know where what what characters they're going to pull from where, but it seems like they've got a, a conduit for just about anything if you look hard enough. And thank you for bringing up Loki, by the way, because again, yes, you know we. We got to see, you know, Loki using his talents in that sphere. But remember how that ended with with effectively setting up uh, Kang the Conqueror, uh, who, you know, at least initially I was assuming that was our big bad, you know, that that who I guess is going to step on stage fully uh, with Ant-Man, you know, and the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah, but remember now that we've got Loki 2, Season 2, appearing right before we get to Quantumania, mm-hmm. uh, we do have that opportunity where Kang can come out, play a, a glorious villain, set up the chessboard, so to speak, and then leave us dangling at the end of Loki Season 2, and then have some sort of either continuation, if not resolution, then certainly continuation of that, that mm-hmm. game that Kang has set up. Uh, to carry on through further movies after Ant-Man wraps up. And I also think right now that I think Kevin Feige, you know, he's he's been playing this game a long time, Jim. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think is rather important is once you teach someone a language, communication becomes a lot more fluent and rapid and understanding of things, of complex ideas, hmm. becomes a lot quicker to grasp, right? So uh, it's like, all right, we've got a billionaire in an iron suit and it flies. Got it? Hmm. Cool. Norse god. Got it? All right. Dude frozen in ice. Got it? Okay, great. Uh, multiverse. Y'all with me still? All right, carrying on. Guys in space, doing space adventure. And you start telling these stories, and now we're all hip and we're all savvy to the, the various nuances. Mm-hmm. So now you can go, all right, uh, in this multiverse, I'm going to set up not just Kang. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw Galactus in there, or I'm going to hint at Galactus. And I'm going to also throw in uh, a hint of Doctor Doom. And I'm going to get that set up for a different part of the MCU. And he can set up multiple big bads lurking in the shadows. So it's not just because right now we've got a world full of 55 superheroes Mm -hmm. and like a couple of villains. And I think if Kevin can populate the MCU full of villains and let them lurk in the background in the shadows like the Kingpin Mm -hmm. currently is, that makes a richer world for us to tell stories in. So I, I think it's not just Kang anymore. It's... It's all of them. But whatever Kevin says the story needs, if we need four big bads, we'll deal with them in our own time, mm-hmm. but they help propel the Fantastic Four story forward if we have a Doctor Doom in the background. It also helps propel the story forward for Eternals and Fantastic Four if there's a, a Galactus back there somewhere. It helps Ant-Man and these other characters go if there's a Kang kicking around. 
Excellent point. Excellent point. Okay. Sometimes you, it's hard to see the chessboard. Yeah, if we were still in phase one, I'd be totally with you going, oh man, you can't do more than one. That'd be confusing. The man. audience wouldn't be able to grasp that. But mm. right now, we're savvy. We know what's up. And we want okay. bad guys. We want everyone to have a, a nemesis, a, a proper villain. And we don't want them to be defeated in the first freaking movie that they show up in. We want them around for a while. Okay. Okay. That, that's, thank you for reminding me that I just, again, I'm very into story mechanics. And that's the thing right now is that I just looking at everything is being set up and it's like, Everything has equal weight at this point. Every you know the story thread, thread that's out there, and it just realized. Well, yeah, but you need a you need an engine, right? For every story, needs an engine to motivate it forward, and usually that's a that's a bad guy. That it is. That it you is. Though so it's interesting you you bring that up because face it, on the heels of the success of Spider Man No Way Home, and even three and four months ago, would we actually have been having a conversation about? boy, I'd really love to see another Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man movie. I don't think anybody could have imagined that we'd be in that space. And we just had our Screen Actor Guild Awards this past weekend. And of course, Andrew's up for Tick, Tick, Boom. He's on the red carpet. He's got reporters asking him things. And people are flattered asking him, you know, would you be up? for doing another Spider-Man movie. And he he basically said, look, never say never, but to be honest, there were no plans right now, you know, and, and he then laughed because, you know, kind of, you know, circling back to what we just said about, you know, Ryan Reynolds, uh, you know, but Andrew said, everyone's going to call me a liar for the rest of my life. I'm the boy card wolf. I mean, I'm very, very open to this idea, but it would have to be very, very special. It would have to be meaningful and, and fun and joyful the way No Way Home was. And in a weird sort of way, he's very protective, even now. It sounds like someone from the Marvel PR team is behind the reporter with the cue cards, and he's reading directly <laughs> off of them from the prepared response I, I, for I, that question that they all knew was coming that evening. I don't know about that. I mean, mm, you know, that, okay. that's, he, he goes on to say that Spider-Man's a character that's always going to be very meaningful to me, and, and it comes back to service, because that's what this character's all about. He's, he's serving the greater good and helping his fellow people, serving humanity in all life, and... So if there's a way for me to continue to add to the legacy of, of that character in a way that feels like it's a service to an audience, the, the themes that, that's, and again, what I love is he, you know, he mentions that Stan Lee injects it into the character. I'd be open to it. But See, you know, if that were Ryan Reynolds, he would have pulled out a notepad and go, you know, I've had some thoughts about how we could approach Spider the Amazing Spider-Man 3. All right, here we go. Uh, page one, scene one. I'm swinging from a building, right? Because that's what Spider-Man does. We get Paul Giamatti back. We put him in the rhino costume. Right there, you sold at least 10 million tickets. Moving on. Speaking of, of Ryan Reynolds, though, did you actually get to see Free Guy yet? Yes. Okay. And it is uh, incredibly enjoyable, mm. and I've, I, I really, truly want to adopt catchphrase <laughs> into our regular <laughs> weekly conversations. Uh. <laughs> yeah, dude is great. Dude yeah. is great. Let me just share one last story before we close here. I, I remember August of, of 2009, you know, the Walt Disney Company has just bought Marvel. And they're talking about, you know, we have a library of 6,000 characters. And I just, I remember looking at the press release and it's like, okay, yeah, you have a library of 6,000 characters. How the hell are you actually going to make use of any of that? 
Because right. it's the whole notion, if you think about it, yeah, you got Spider-Man and you got the Hulk and, you know, you got Iron Man. But it's just the, the notion of how are you going to use those? And here we are. You know, With the swordsman appearing in Hawkeye. And well, we're like, that's, what? <laughs> but that's the thing. They have, they, they have managed to do the impossible, you know, sure. in, in so many ways. And, and in fact, that's the, the very thing you're mentioning about how would you do that level of interconnectivity, you know, where stories link up and character, you know, the, the, the stories are semi-permeable. So, you know, a Hawkeye can, can be a limited series, but also be a character you just talk about in right. the Black Widow movie. I'll tell you what, you can't, you can't do that unless you have a Feige. You need you need one person that has control or input and you know muscle over all decisions that are made. Kind of like Star Wars happened. It was like, hey, we're gonna have one guy who has an idea how the whole trilogy should be, but then we're gonna have a second guy replace him on the second movie, and then bring that third guy back in and have him try and get all, everything he wanted to do back on track. Yeah. And that wasn't all that great. If they would have had just J.J. Abrams write everything and then hire three different directors. No. Instead of different people writing the scripts, it becomes really clunky and messy and it doesn't connect quite right because you didn't have that singular vision over the whole darn thing. So I think that I think that's what they're learning right now with Star Wars, I hope, with Favreau and uh, Dave Filoni. There we go. There working we go. together as, as a head unit team. And so, anyway, uh, we're completely off track in a different universe, but... Uh, Let's make that our button, and we'll circle back to, to that topic, and maybe folks can volunteer some ideas here. But speaking of, of where it would be lovely to have folks reach out and, and share their thoughts on this, uh, social media, who is it? Uh, it, it the Lentesta Openings, the, the gentleman who's been keeping track of... Of all the stuff that, that yeah. Len says, yeah, in the, in the opening of the Disney Dish, he wanted to do a poll for us to find out who we should interview. There we go. And uh, it turns out the people voted Florence Pugh, and uh, so we're just waiting for her to call. It's your move. Florence. Okay. And if not her, her good, close, personal friend, Elizabeth Plug, right? Exactly. Yes. We'll take a call from either one. If it shows up on my caller ID as Elizabeth Plug, I'm answering it. Okay. There we go. So, but yes, it, it's, but if folks are looking for you on social media to catch that sort of stuff, where can they find you? Uh, well, go to Twitter at Azaprod. It is more refreshing than a tall glass of lemonade after a rousing game of Wiffle Snatch on a hot summer day. By the way, uh, Wiffle Snatch. Mm -hmm. is the fun old-fashioned game of retrieving your wiffle ball from the neighbor's yard occupied by a giant dog. Wiffle snatch. <laughs> wow. Uh, suddenly this got exciting. <laughs> well, Nancy I, I would like me to remind you, if you're looking for us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media, and on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And uh, Aaron and I will be, we'll be back next week. But till then, thanks for listening.